Well, good morning, everyone. Happy Mother's Day to everybody. So if you're not a mom, it still is Mother's Day, and you have a mom. So it's, you know, it's a great day to celebrate our moms. And in the second service, we're going to have a child dedication. And I just thought, what a perfect time for us to start a series on parenting. You know, it's, it's important for us to learn how to parent these wonderful little gifts that are brought home from the hospital. And if you've ever seen a little baby, they come home so, so cute. And my wife and I have four kids, and I just love bringing those kids home. And I used to tell my wife, you know what, like, hold on to them until they can talk. And then, you know, like, I'll want to interact with them. And then they spoke. And I'm like, no, like, I'll take them when they're little, when they, they can't talk. I mean, that's a wonderful time. But there's this transition that happens in little kids' lives. It's right around like two years old. Right, right prior, prior to that, they're just these sweet little kids. You enjoy spending time with them, and they do what you ask them to do. And then all of a sudden, they learn this two-letter word, no. And they turn, and they look at you, and they say, no, I'm not going to do what you want me to do. And I remember as new parents, Tammy and I, thinking, what do we do? Like, she just told us no. Like, how do we interact? How do we engage this child now? The rules have changed. And so when it comes to parenting, it's really important for us to learn how to interact with our kids, no matter what age they are, whether they're, they're in newborns or they're toddlers or in elementary school, high school, college, grown, beyond. Uh, it's important for us to learn how to parent our kids the way that God wants us to parent our kids. And I think this is going to be a great series that we're going to enter together, a parenting series. Again, whatever season of life that you might be in, uh, maybe you don't have kids, and maybe one day you hope to have children. I think this series will help uh, you prepare for that. If you never want to have kids, this might you know, remind you why you don't want to have kids, or maybe you can hand this information off to some of your friends who are parents, maybe struggling with their role as a parent. Maybe you have grown kids, and you can just hang out with us and just make sure we're giving out some good information. It's never too late. It's never too early for us to learn how to parent God's way. Now, when it comes to parenting, we enter parenting in different ways. There are some of us who have chosen to be parents. And so we walk into that incredible role with a decision, very purposeful. You know, I want to be a parent, and, and this is the time. And you do all that you can to make that happen. Maybe you know what it's like to walk through the process of adoption, and you know the complexities of that, and you're reminded on a regular basis. It's a choice that we make. There's so many hoops you have to jump through, so many choices that you have to make to, to engage that and to actually become a, a parent of an adopted child. Now, some of us didn't plan on being parents. You know, maybe God chose the time for you, and you weren't quite ready for it. That was the, the reality for myself and my wife. When we got married, we decided, hey, let's wait five years before we start having kids. And then right as we started year number two, surprise, surprise, I came home one night, and my wife said, I got a surprise for you. And she told me, and I'm going, wait a second, not a good surprise. I'm not ready for this. There, there was so much that I thought I wanted to do in my life before I transitioned into the role of parent. And God brought little Sydney into our world, little Sydney into our lives. And I wasn't quite ready as a parent for that, but God knew that's exactly what I needed. I needed little Sydney in my life 
to help me become the, the, the man I'm still learning how to become. You know, maybe for you, you got pregnant under less than favorable circumstances, and you're navigating a difficult situation in life. You know, maybe you're a single parent, and you're trying to balance the, the roles of two parents in your family and trying to figure out how do you do that in a way that really honors God. Some people are in blended families and find themselves raising stepchildren and the complexities of that. There's some grandparents that thought they were done, and yet they're now parenting again because their adult children can't or won't. There are foster families that are doing their best to raise up these foster children in a time where they're not sure how much time they have. It may be days, it may be weeks, maybe a few months. Usually it's not longer than a few years. And they're doing their best to parent their kids the way they can. There are different parenting realities. And we all enter the season of parenting from different directions. I think most parents would agree that parenting is one of the most challenging assignments given by God. I mean, if you want to lose your hair, I mean, there's no greater way. I used to have a full head of hair until I had kids. It's a challenging task that God has given all of us. When it, those who are parents, it's a very ta- challenging task that demands large amounts of wisdom, large amounts of grace, especially for those, I believe, who want to raise their kids the way that God desires for us to raise our kids. Now, if you don't consider yourself a Christ follower, I think you came at a great time to to be here at Epic, because here's the reality. When you come check out a parenting series, whether you're a, a parent or not a parent, if you're not a Christ follower, you do not have to believe in God You do not have to believe in the Bible in order to benefit from some of the things that we're going to learn in this series. And what I encourage you to do, if if you wouldn't consider yourself a Christ follower, I encourage you to try out some of these things that we're going to learn. Try them out at home and just put them into practice in your own life. And I think you will be very surprised at some of the things that you'll learn and the positive impact that it can make in your own life. So we're glad that you're here today. Now, let me tell you where we're going in this series and then we're going to dive in. For today and next week, we're going to focus in on one single verse in the Bible that has large amounts of parenting wisdom wrapped up in it. And actually, today, we're going to focus in on just two words of that verse. And then next week, we're going to unpack the rest of that verse. And then in week three of this series, we're going to look at discipline. How do we discipline our kids in a way that honors God? Our world has discipline all turned upside down. And so we need to understand it from God's perspective. And then in week four, we're going to look at the reality of resolving conflict. How do we resolve conflict in our parent, child, or sibling relationships? And just out of curiosity, how many of you would say that you have had or are currently in a conflict with someone in your family? Okay, Thanks for the honesty. If the person next to you did not raise their hand, just slide over slightly, okay? They just lied in church, and they might get struck by lightning. You don't want to be too close, okay? So just move over. We all have conflict in our families. Even those families that you look at and go, man, they must be just the perfect family. Every family has conflict. Every family has to learn how to navigate that conflict in a way that really honors 
God. So uh, I'm looking forward to that message in this series. Now, the funny thing when it comes to the Bible and parenting is that there are not a lot of great parenting stories in the Bible. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Bible or not, but if you think about some of the Bible stories that we have in the, in the parenting and the families that are there, think about Adam and Eve. So we start with the, the first humans, the first parents. They have two sons, Cain and Abel. Cain killed their son Abel. So the first family brought murder into the world. Now, I know many of us daydream about possibly killing someone in our family, but, but Cain actually did it. I mean, he actually killed his brother. And then if you look at Abraham, Abraham, the, the father of the Jewish nation, God promised to give him and his wife, Sarah, some kids, promised to make Abraham the father of, of many descendants. And God wasn't moving fast enough. And so Sarah came up with this idea. She thought it was a good idea and said, hey, why don't you sleep with my servant and maybe God will bless you with a child through her. And apparently Abraham thought that was a good idea too, but it didn't end up being a very good idea because that decision caused all kinds of conflict in their family. Go figure. Like, you know, duh. Like that's going to cause a problem. That decision actually caused all kinds of problems that we still see today in our world. Then there was Isaac, who loved his son Esau more than his son Jacob, and that caused a family feud for many years. King David's poor parenting skills led to the first civil war within the Jewish nation. And then when you consider Jesus' family, even, you've got Joseph and Mary, and sometimes we like to put them up on a pedestal, especially Mary, if you think about them and their story, there was one occasion where they left Jesus behind on a family trip for several days, and they left him in church. Okay, so think about that. If you have kids, like, think about going throughout your week and then remembering on Thursday, oh, I think I left so-and-so at church. Like, not good. You know, a little, you know, traumatized from that. I'm sure they would be, but Jesus turned it into a really good thing. So there aren't that many great parenting examples in the Bible, there are a few good stories, but there are more parenting principles than anything else. And that's what we're going to look at as we start today. We're going to start with a parenting principle. So in Proverbs 22, verse 6, in the New Living Translation, it says this, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. Now, for today, what I would like us to do is I would like us to explore today and next week how the New King James Version captures that. Now, this verse is going to come up on the screen in that translation, and I would like all of us to say this out loud together. So here we go. So train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Let's try that one more time together. Here we go. So train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. So that's what we're going to explore today and next week. Actually, we're going to start today with two words out of that. But in order for us to train up our kids in the way that they should go, we as parents, we need to know which way that they should go. I mean, there are a lot of ways to go in this world, a lot of directions that our kids can be sent. And we need to understand which directions they should be headed towards, which directions they should not. And we need to be able to leverage all of our parenting resources to send our kids in the direction that we desire them to go. And that does not mean 
that they will go that way. It just means our responsibility as parents is to guide our kids in that right direction. So which direction do you want your kids to go? Which direction do you want your kids to go in life? Another way to ask that is, what is your parenting goal for your kids? So what goal do you have? When it comes to your parenting, when it comes to your kids, what's your parenting goal with your kids? How do you want them to be? What do you want them to be like when they leave your home? How do you want them to engage adult society? How do you want them to interact with God as they leave your home and set off into the world? Knowing the answer to that will help you navigate those parenting years, will help you set them off in that right direction. Now, the problem is many of us don't have any parenting goals. You know, many of us, when we get to the end of a day, we we lay our head on our pillow. If we've made it unscathed throughout that day, we're happy. You know, that's like a, a success. We've survived. But surviving in our parenting years is not what God's called us to. God is calling us to train up our kids in the way that they should go. So very intentional, very purposeful. Have a plan, have an idea where we want to send our kids in life. So again, what's your goal for your kids? If you don't have kids, you know, what's, what's a goal that, that you would like to have if you did have children of your own? What do you want them to be like when they leave your home? How do you want them to interact with adult society? What type of worker do you want them to be? What type of husband or wife? What type of parent? What type of friend? What type of Christ follower would you like them to be? When they're out on their own, they're making their own decisions. How do you want them to engage a relationship with God? Whether you realize it or not, whether you have a specific goal or not, you are currently sending your kids, if you have kids, You're sending them in a specific direction. You may like that direction. You may not like that direction. You may may not even know what that direction is. But right now, all of us as parents are guiding our kids in a specific direction. So it's important for us to know what that direction is. And I think it's important for us to have a, a clearly defined goal, like a specific goal, something that we could even write down and capture and say, you know, that's my goal. For my parenting. So those days where you know, you're pulling your hair out and wondering like, what your goal is for your kids, it's important to have something to come back to. This is my goal. This is what I'm supposed to be doing with my kids while they're here under my influence. Now, Tammy and I have four kids. Sydney is 17, Maddie is 15, Annie is 10, and Cody just turned eight. And here's the goal that we have for our kids. This is our parenting goal. We want to raise responsible, productive adults who love God and who love people. If we get to the end of our parenting season, our kids are out on their own and they are responsible, they're productive adults, and they're adults, you know, that's the goal. We want them to be adults when they're out on their own. They're responsible, productive adults and they love God and they love other people. And I'm gonna feel like we've, we've really hit the mark with our kids. My kids are out on their own. The greatest thing that they can do is love God more than anyone, more than anything in the world. That's the greatest gift that my kids can take into adult world 
is a deep, passionate love for God. Because when they get that relationship right, it affects all other relationships that they'll ever be in. It affects every other decision that they'll make. When they walk into adult world and say, God, you're number one in my work, you're number one in my hobbies, you're number one in my relationships, God is going to bless them as they continue to navigate all the other complexities of life. So I want my kids to love God more than, than anything. I want my kids to date and eventually marry someone who will put God first. I don't want my kids going out into the world and just you know, hooking up with some guy or some girl just because you know, he's handsome and she's attractive. You know, physical attraction is important, but it only comes after we've found someone who says, God, you're number one. You're number one in my life. So if, if that person will say to God, God, you're number one in my life, then everything is going to go very well in that relationship. That doesn't mean they're not going to have you know, complexities, they're not going to bump heads, it doesn't mean they're not going to have problems in this world. But if they find someone who says, God, you're number one, then they've got a great recipe for a great relationship. Now, if my kids have kids, which right now for me is a really weird thought, I'm not quite ready to embrace it, so I'm going to hold off on that for a little bit. But if my kids have kids, I want my kids to train my grandkids, in how to have a passionate relationship with God. I want them to teach them from when they're first born and they're growing what it means to have a, a real relationship with the creator of the universe, that they don't have to wait until they're an adult to engage that, that they can start having a relationship with him as early as they start understanding what it means that Jesus died on the cross for them, that God loved them enough to send Jesus for them. So I want my grandkids to grow up with that deep understanding of God's incredible love for them. Now, I want my kids to be productive, responsible contributors to society. I do not want my kids just consuming oxygen and resources. That frustrates me more than anything. I want my kids to be hard workers. I want them to produce things. I want them to be creative. I want them to work hard at their job. And I want my kids to be a solution to the problems that our world faces. I do not want my kids being another problem. I want my kids to step into a work environment, a relationship environment, a church environment, whatever, and to see problems and to say, hey, how can I help? I mean, do you know what it's like when you've got a problem and someone steps into your world, instead of criticizing you and judging you for the situation that you're in, they step into your world and say, like, hey, how can I help you? Like, how can I pray for you? Like, is there something I can do for you? When someone does that to me, that is an amazing thing. It's an amazing gift. It like makes me feel lighter in that moment. Even if there really isn't anything that they can do for me, just the reality that someone sees the, the, my situation and they care about me. That's what I want for my kids. I want my kids to be a solution, to help solve problems that, that people face in this world. I want my kids to stand for justice. I want my kids to speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. I want my kids to defend those who can't defend themselves. I want my kids to defend the, the innocent, to protect other people. I want my kids to give their lives for a greater purpose than just chasing the, the elusive American dream. So I see one of my, my kids in the back here, and I hope she's taking notes because there will be a quiz later this afternoon. I want my kids to be like this. 
So if your heart's not pumping right now, something's wrong with you. All right, you need to check your pulse. You might be dead. So I've got this blue paint at home every morning, and I stick my hand in the paint, I wipe you know, it on my kid's face, half of their face, and, and I challenge them to go into their world and make a difference. I don't do the blue paint, but I think it's a good idea. I think it'd be a great reminder for them every time they look in the mirror and every time another kid sees them, like, what is the blue paint all about? Well, let me tell you. I think it'd be great for them. But I want my kids, as they go into their schools, I want them to make an impact in that school. They walk into those schools as a, an, an ambassador for Jesus. There are kids in that school that may never crack open a Bible, may never hear about the love of Jesus, and yet they may interact with one of my kids. So I've got two kids over here at Wadsworth, and I've got two kids at the high school. And I want my kids to make a difference there. It's just not time for them to waste. It's just not, oh, I've got to survive another math class. That's an opportunity that they'll remember, and I think the people around them will remember for all of eternity. So it's a moment that when often we drop our kids off at school, it's a reminder, hey, you're going into the place that God has selected for you, the place for you to make an impact, not to just survive, not to just make good grades, but to make an impact on the lives of those students that are around you. Lead them towards Jesus. Be a light in what is often a very dark environment. So that's what I want for my kids. Now, you may not care much for my goal for my kids, but what, what's your goal? What's the goal that you have for your kids? What do you want them to be like? What do you want them to do as they launch out into adult world? And how are you doing at that? Like if you haven't defined that for you, if you don't have a, a little statement, I really encourage you to come up with something. Come up with, uh, spend some time really praying through and processing through, God, what do you want from me as a parent? What should my parenting goal be? Spend some time writing that down and, and then leverage all of your parenting in that direction. Now the first two words of Proverbs 22.6 say this, train up. So our responsibility is to train our kids. Our job as parents is to be trainers of our kids. We have to train them towards the goal that we feel like God has given us as parents, that goal that he wants us to be parenting them towards. To do that, to train up our kids, it starts with us. So the thing I want you to remember, the bottom line, you're going to forget most of the things that I've said today, and so will I. The bottom line is training up our kids starts with us. Training up my kids starts with me. Training your kids starts with you. Listen to what Deuteronomy 6 says. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them around the for your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So verse five says, you must love the Lord your God. Verse six, you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to following God. Verse seven, you must repeat these instructions again and again to your kids. You must talk about them when you're at home, when you're on a trip, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Every aspect of our parenting requires that we live 
what we want our kids to learn, that we live it. We need to live exactly what we're asking our kids to be living as they launch out into adult world. Again, for too many of us, our parenting philosophy is do as I say, but not as I do. The reality is how we live is the greatest significant contributor to what happens in our children's lives. It will determine how our children grow up and who our kids will become as they launch out into the world. Sure, other kids will influence them. Our culture will influence them. Movies and technology will influence them. But the greatest influencer of who our kids become as they become adults will always be their parents. Always be that. You may not feel that. You may feel like the world's got a whole lot more pull than you do. But the reality is you have the greatest opportunity to impact your kids. Children, learn from us how to grow a strong relationship with God, how to handle the stress of life, how to be a responsible worker, what to do when they find themselves in a difficult situation, what type of person to date and eventually marry, how to resolve conflict, how to develop character and integrity, and much more. They learn that from us. They're always learning from us. Whether they're three years old or 30 years old, they're always learning from how we navigate life and the choices that we make. And there are some kids that say, you know what, as I grow older, I want to be just like my mom or I want to be just like my dad. But I'm sad when I meet more and more people who say, you know what, I don't really want to be like my mom or my dad. They didn't train me. They didn't train me in how to love God passionately. And so they're trying to learn something brand new. Again, parents, if you're a parent, you're the greatest influencer over who your children will become one day. It's you. That responsibility lies with you. So how are you doing at that? If you're a Christ follower, how are you doing at modeling for your kids how to have a great, passionate relationship with the creator of all the universe? Like when difficult times come in your life, what do they see you doing? Turning towards God or something else to cope with the stress of life? And how do they watch you navigate when you come up on things that you're not sure how to navigate? Again, is it a moment for you to turn to God and model for them that, or do you do other things? When you have questions about faith, what do you do with those questions? Do you just remain a, a skeptic, or do you engage it and try to get some real answers for that? Again, your kids are watching. What kind of worker are you? Do you have a high work ethic? You cut as many corners as you possibly can. Your kids are learning. They're watching, and they will probably work based upon how you work. How do you see the world and your place in it? Are you a victim of society's evil plot to hold you back in life? Or do you see everything as ordained by God to help you become the person he wants you to become? Again, your kids will see the world and will view God based upon how you model that for them. If you're married, how are you doing at modeling for your kids how to have a great marriage? Do you fight all the time between you and your spouse? Is there a lot of yelling that goes on in your home? I heard a pastor say recently that parents who yell cause, cause kids to rebel. I thought that was a great little parenting nugget. So if there's a lot of yelling going on in your home, your kids most likely are going to rebel against that. Or maybe you're in a different scenario in your family, in your marriage. Maybe you're, you're watching your marriage die slowly. What are you doing with that? I mean, are you just allowing your kids to watch you let your marriage die? 
Or are they going to watch you do everything that you possibly can to build a strong relationship? Even if it's just you that comes and says, God, I want to put you first in our marriage. I want to make this thing work. Even if you're the only partner that's doing that, I think God can bless that immeasurably with your kids. If you're married, the greatest gift you can give your children is a passionate love for God and a passionate, ever-growing love for your spouse. It's the greatest thing you can hand them. It's, it's greater than, than money. It's greater than college education. It's greater than a brand new car. You hear that, Sydney? It's greater than a brand new car. <laughs> Sorry. Now, it doesn't mean that you aren't going to make mistakes on your journey. This year, my wife and I will celebrate 20 years of marriage. In 20 years, I've blown it on many occasions. I'm sad to say I've blown it with my kids. I've blown it with my wife on too many occasions. I mean, it grieves my heart when I think about some of that. Just recently, my wife and I were butting heads over something, and uh, she came up in a very gentle moment, very quiet spirit, and she wrapped her arms around me and said, I'm sorry for our conflict. Like, I just want to work this out. And I was still in that real prickly moment, and so I kind of like brushed her off and said, you know, we've been doing this for 20 years. And I am a dork on many occasions, okay? So, like, that was just the wrong thing to say, wrong time. I mean, she had just this sweet spirit, and we worked it out later. But as parents, like, you're going to mess up. We're going to make mistakes in our marriages with our kids. We're going to make mistakes. That's not the biggest deal. The biggest deal, the thing our kids are watching, is how do we resolve it? Do we own our problems? Like when we hurt someone, do we take responsibility for that? Do we say, hey, you know what? I did that, and I'm sorry. Do we apologize for that? Do we do everything within our power to make it right? You know, I've apologized to my kids on many occasions for stupid things I've said. I mean, there are things I look back at, I wish I could take back. You know, those words that came out of my mouth, I'm like, even though they might have been true, wow, they came out and they hurt. I wish I could take them back, but I can't take those back. So I apologize, and I do everything I can to make it right. I want my kids to apologize when they blow it. That's one of the reasons I apologize to my kids. God says that's the right thing to do, but also I'm modeling for my kids. I want my kids to say they're sorry when they blow it. I want them to say, you know what? I blew it. Like, I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. I take responsibility. I'll fix that. I'll do whatever's necessary to make that right. Where are they going to learn that? They're going to learn that from, from me and Tammy as we model that for them. Our eight-year-old is in second grade, and we got a note from the teacher recently that said he'd been talking in class lately, during class, in inappropriate times. Not good. Little frowny face on his planner. And we're like, oh, buddy, like, dude, like, what what are we going to do with this? Like, you know what you got to do? Yeah, I need to apologize. And so he gets out this little card, and he writes a card to his teacher. I'm really sorry for this. Um, I'm sorry that I was talking in class. And it just explains this apology, takes it to her the next day. And it, I'm in the one room with Tammy, and he's in another room. And he says, hey, Mom, I think it's only fair that since I was talking for like three days in class and I shouldn't have been, I think it's only fair that I not play video games for three days. That is a major deal for my little, little boy. And I'm like looking around the corner like, who are you? Who said that? Whose kid are you? Like, I'm not saying that when I'm eight years old. No way. I'm not offering up, hey, I think here's a way to punish me. I think it's the, most, the biggest thing that I could ever give up. Here's what I'm going to put on the table. I'm not saying that. Man, it's so cool to watch my kids learning that, 
own it, apologize, and do whatever you can to make it right and learn from that. Now, if you're a single parent, the greatest thing that you have to offer your kids is a passionate love for God. What do they see you doing? When you come up against the difficulties of parenting, do they watch you turn to God? Do they watch you turn to someone else? You know, when, when you are dating, and what do they see? When you're uh, engaging uh, leisure activities, what are they watching? What are they watching you do? You know, it saddens my heart to watch single parents put a relationship with a man or a woman above God and their kids. It breaks my heart when I see that. Like, no, put God first. Put your kids second. And then if we find the right guy, then we'll put him in the mix as well. But make sure you keep that priority right. Again, whether your kids are three or 30, they're always learning from us. So how are you doing? Are you okay with, if you're a parent, are you okay with the direction that your kids are headed in life? The direction you are sending them? Are you okay with what they are learning from you? If you are okay with that, great, keep doing it, multiply it. If you're not okay with it, then make some adjustments. Make some changes in how you parent. My father-in-law always told his kids, you can do anything you see me doing. If you don't see me doing something, you don't have permission to do it either. If you see me doing something, you have permission to do that. I think that's a great parenting principle. I think that would help guide many of us in the things that we choose to engage in in our lives, knowing that our kids are watching And if I do something, that means that they can do it as well. So that helps me on many occasions. There are things that I do because I want my kids doing it. There are things I don't do because I don't want my kids doing it. So again, if you see me doing it, you've got permission to do that. If you don't see me doing that, then you shouldn't do it as as well. So again, the bottom line for our message today is training up my kids starts with me. I would like all of us to say that out loud together. So this is the thing that you're going to say, you know, like later tonight, someone says, hey, what was church all about? And you're like, I'm not really sure. This is it, okay? So training up my kids starts with me. So one more time together. Training up my kids starts with me. If you can remember that, you have, have done a lot today. We can't lead our kids anywhere that we aren't already headed ourselves. Now, as we close today, I'm just going to ask some reflective questions over you, okay? So just think about these questions in the context of your life, regardless of how you became a parent, whether you're a single parent or step-parent, grandparent, foster parent, whatever type of parent. How are you doing at training up your kids? How are you doing? Whether your kids are still with you, or your kids are grown, how are you doing? Do you have a goal for your parenting? Do you know what direction you would like to send your kids in life? How are you doing at leading your children towards God's goal for you? Are there things in your life that need to change? If so, what are they? Will you name them? Will you be specific and say, I need to change this, this, and this? And then will you change it? Will you do something? And when? When will you do it? Is there anything that you need to apologize to your kids for? Will you do that if there's something you need to apologize for? In whatever season of of parenting life we find ourselves, training up our kids always starts with us. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for the parenting principles found in the Bible. And as we look in the Bible and understand that there are not a lot of great parenting examples, Lord, it's just another reminder to me that that parenting is, is difficult. It's challenging 
for all of us. So Lord, I just pray for all of us in this, whether we have kids of our own yet or not, or um, we're, we're grandparents, or foster parents, step parents, Lord, whatever kind of parents that might be here today, Lord, that we would determine to train up our kids. And Lord, we understand today that training our kids starts with us. It doesn't start when we tell our kids just what to do. It starts when we show our kids how to live. When we do that, when we model what it's like to put you first in all things, when we model what it's like to put you first at work or at home or in our hobbies, and when we're trying to resolve conflict, we're taking ownership for things that we have done that hurt other people, those moments that we've blown it, and we do everything we can to repair it. So Lord, I pray that you would encourage Lord, us today as parents with a step in your direction of defining what it really means for us to parent the way you want us to parent. So guide us in that, we pray, and throughout this series, in Jesus' name, amen.